MoneyWeb at Midday for all your up-to-date stories. The decline in jobs in the metals and engineering sector is nothing short of staggering. New figures from the Steel and Engineering Industries Federation of Southern Africa show that just over 300,000 are employed right now, which is a significant drop from half a million a couple of years ago. So the big question, of course, is can the industry survive? I'm going to talk now to Tafadzwa Chibanguza, who is Chief Executive Officer of the organization. And firstly, then a warm welcome. What are the main factors contributing to this situation? So the decrease has to be looked at in two phases, right? There's the one that we reported on between 2008 and uh, current, 2023. That's where the numbers went from 577,000 to 362. That's the current number. So you've got a decline of about 214,000 jobs there. In that first round, it's really been the issues plaguing the local economy, low GDP growth, and particularly low gross fixed capital formation or spend, both at a state as well as at a private sector level as well. And then also what we saw is around about that 2008 period, we saw there was a deep structural shift between the export market shifting from majority of products going to the EU and the bulk now going into Africa. So while that's an opportunity in itself, the volumes also decreased. So you have that structural decline continuing. I've mentioned, and also we know from 2008 is when electricity crisis started deepening. You've got transnets issues also particularly worsening from about 2015 onward. So it's really the underlying structural headwinds facing the economy that have been driving this number and naturally being a real sector economy it responds to economic activity and we haven't seen that and hence the decline and all of those factors of course remain so you're not arresting that decline in any way significantly are you Correct, correct. That's a good point. And then that then, in fact, talks to our next numbers that are looking forward. So the second phase of the numbers that are captured in that piece there um, basically says in the absence of reform, that's number one. But you also now have the ArcelorMittal development also that's come to the fore. Then if you take the combination of if you project out the rate at which employment has been decreasing, which one can conceivably project out that number in the medium term in that reform takes a while, right? So you project out the historic job losses and keep that rate. You then also modify it for the impact of the ArcelorMittal closures. And then what then that does is it gives us a number in the order of about 48,000 jobs. That's direct jobs. And then when you apply the economic multipliers of this sector across the economy, that's how you get to that 290,000 jobs. So it's an important point maybe just to close out on is that the 290 is an economy-wide job loss, which includes the direct of about 48,000 and then the balance being the indirect induced jobs. Against this backdrop, do you believe the industry can survive? In the absence of reform, history is a perfect indicator of the fact that if what we are currently experiencing as an economic headwinds, if that continues in the absence of reform, then we are talking continued deterioration and basically the sector being unable to survive. 
But the rider there is that in the absence of reform, because the history has already indicated the fact that this structural decline has continued. So that is not even a subjective point one is making. So looking forward in the absence of the two critical areas on energy and rail, I think those are the two main ones. There's a third one that is creeping in quite a bit, which is the local municipality deterioration. And that's really where the rubber hits the tar from infusing costs into the manufacturers who operate in the different municipalities and that affects competitiveness. So the combination of those three, unarrested in terms of the decline that they are contributing, will continue to see the sector deteriorating to the numbers that I've already Mm. mentioned. When you raise Mm. this issue either with national or local government, given the two types of problems that you've outlined, do you have Mm. any confidence that you're being heard? To be honest, I have to say that that year sort of turned the corner and uh, in terms of being heard, right? So historically, um, I think they were generally felt this wall that you were hitting into when raising these issues and the solutions. And much of the solutions include a lot more private sector participation on rail, on energy and the rest. And what we are seeing that we are beginning to be heard is that we see it with the reform on the energy side. We see at least early stages signals of reform on the logistics side, particularly if you consider what Treasury has said that Transnet's bailout is conditioned on private sector participation. On the local municipalities, not so much. So the point really I'm making is that they've been forced into looking at the alternative, which is bringing in private sector because the but rate let of me pick you. Let me so pick much. you up on the private sector all very well, but it's not a panacea yeah. for a complete fix here, given that the private sector is reticent to get involved because of the pace of change that is needed in order to make a solid investment. Fair point. But you, what you have seen, and um, we are involved in a number of work streams directly as CIFSA, so Steel and Engineering Federation, mm-hmm. with the presidency um, around work streams to unlock um, our involvement in a number of, some are project-based and some are at a higher level. We are involved directly as CIFSA again in the National Energy Crisis Committee. But to answer your point more directly is that the involvement of companies now, particularly where they are making offers at local government level, goes again to the point that that's where the rubber hits the tar and that's where they're feeling the most amount of pressures. So where they can get involved, they're doing it not only for, mustn't come across in a controversial way, but it's not for profiteering one, nor is it for patriotic reasons, but really it's to just maintain their survival for their own survival that's that's the reason why they are involved i could give you one practical example of a of a large multinational who um, had an insurance audit and on the day of that insurance audit there was no water coming to the site and of course then they were then put on provisional um, um, insurance until they had to put a solution uh, 20 million rand later they now have an on-site solution um, because it's a fire risk so the point really i'm saying is that that's the type of micro level impact of local government impact and we see a number of companies putting their hands up to want to participate at least in arresting some of these declines and our role as then organized business is to aggregate those offers of assistance and bring them to the fore to our government counterparts all right uh, tafadzwa chibanguza thank you very much indeed ceo of cisa